So do check those out. And this week we're starting a series on grace or a one week series. How's that? Please welcome our pastor, Cameron Wright. All right. Well, good morning. Bless you. How are you? All right. How, how do you like the weather? Nice. Looking forward to snow. I, I am. You can you can remind me of that once there's snow. You can say, remember you were looking forward to it. All right. Ah, sounds kind of loud. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the grace that you've provided, that we can come to the table of communion and partake of your body and blood, that we can commune with you, we can commune with one another. Uh, Lord, we, we're just so grateful. We just pray that you would open up your, uh, open up our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word, Lord. Just uh, uh, cause our spirit men, our spirit persons within us, to come alive and to hear your word. Uh, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to just share a message on grace. Um, if you have a Bible, you can turn to it or read along on the screen from Titus 2:11 through 14. And uh, I found this verse. I mean, I've read the Bible I don't know how many times, but a few years ago I read it and was like, wow, that's like the perfect verse. It's three verses. It's like the gospel in three verses. And every time I read, read it, it just impacts me. Um, I'm going to read it first from the New Living Translation and then from two other translations and, uh, and then talk about it because that's my job. <laughs> Good morning. All right. Come on. I like a little interactivity. Okay. <clears throat> for grace, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Now, this is Paul writing to Titus. And do you know what Titus did for a living? Take a guess. Wow, I stumped the audience. Come on, somebody knows what Titus did for a living. He was a pastor. <laughs> yeah, they're the pastoral epistles. Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Um, those are uh, letters that Paul wrote to individuals. And uh, Titus was a pastor like Timothy. And he's talking about how to pastor churches, how to be a pastor, how to lead people in the, in the and reinforcing the message of the gospel that he taught. Paul uh, taught Titus just as he taught Timothy. So this is one of uh, Paul's students. And he's just, just refreshing Titus, um, the message that they preach. And it says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave His life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us His, own, his very own people Totally committed to doing good deeds. All right, let's read that from the message. Same verses, excuse me, from the message, which is a contemporary uh, rewriting of it. 
says, God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. I love that. God's readiness to give and forgive is now, that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's how the message translates this idea of grace. Readiness to give and forgive is now public. Salvation's available for everyone. We're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. This new life is starting right now and is whetting our appetites for the glorious day when our God, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, appears. He offered Himself as a sacrifice to free us from a dark, rebellious life into this good, pure life making us a people he can be proud of, energetic. Everybody say energetic. Energetic. And goodness, energetic. Come on. Titus 2, 11 through 14 in the New King James. For for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, (coughs) teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. Well, this Scripture came to mind because over the last uh, <coughs> several months, <coughs> um, and, and just actually a few days ago, uh, particularly, but several times over the last few months, I've had the opportunity to share the gospel in depth uh, with people who do not believe. And as a pastor, I don't get to do that as much as I used to because I spend so much of my time around other believers. Because uh, whole time, you know, I'm interacting with people here and other pastors and different ministry things and gigs. Uh, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I'm not out in the real world. You know, as much as uh, I'd like to be, as much as uh, many of you are. And in sharing the gospel, I mean, uh, just recently, it was like four or five hours just really getting in depth. Uh, And I love that. It's it's great. And I just want to say, and this has been on my heart for a long time, that the gospel is best presented one-on-one. All right? We have to understand this. The best way to hear and the best way to communicate the message of Jesus Christ is you talking to another person. And the more relationship you have with that person, the more power those words will have. So, uh, you know, maybe it's a co-worker or a relative or a friend. Uh, it's just communicating one-on-one. That's better than TV. It's better than crusades. It's better than flyers. It's better. That's, that's what it's intended. So Jesus came and he spoke to individuals and he told his disciples to go out and tell others. Um, And in communicating the gospel in an in-depth way, the the individuals that I spoke to wouldn't think this. But what I saw was that there was such a, a, a misunderstanding of the idea of grace, you know. And, of course, what they had, the questions that everybody comes up with is, you know, if God is so good and powerful and all-knowing, all you know, why do things like the tsunami happen? Or why are the earthquakes? Or why do people, uh, you know, stub their toe? <laughs> and uh, uh, that was a joke. 
guys need more. We're going to put some caffeine in the communion juice next time. <laughs> All right. You know, and they're, they're asking questions like, you know, how can there be suffering in a world if there's a loving God? And those are valid questions, and you, you need to answer those. You need to learn how to, to, to respond to those. I might teach that. Would you like that? <clears throat> yeah, there are, some, there are some good answers to those very good questions. But underneath of it, really, uh, there's a misunderstanding of grace. And, and it's like <clears throat> we kept, keep coming back to grace and, and thinking it's a, like a, 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 a free pass into heaven. You know, you can sin and do whatever you want because, oh, yeah, there's grace. Jesus died. As long as you believe that, everything's okay. And, and, and people have a difficulty, but it's a un- misunderstanding of grace. <clears throat> and this verse, these verses, these three verses is really all about grace. It tells us some essential truths about grace that if we can grasp this, if we can come to an understanding, and, and, and not just an intellectual understanding, but a spiritual understanding, our spirit man, our, our, our inner man, uh, inner being, can really understand and lay hold of these truths, it transforms us. Grace is the power that saved humanity. All right? And it can change our lives. And this, 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 little, this little verse really zeroes in on it. <clears throat> so, first of all, what is grace? Grace is, of course, the unmerited favor. Everybody say favor. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a being in relationship of favor, being on God's good side, <laughs> you know, that you're in a favored relationship. But I like this other definition that says the merciful kindness by which God, listen, exerting his holy influence upon souls. Now, that's really important. OK, there's an exertion of holy influence. All right. Now, that's a huge Difference between a free pass to get away from sin versus exerting holy influence. It's an active force. All right? God exerting His holy influence upon souls turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. So it changes and lights them on fire. All right? Grace is an active force that transforms. It's not just a free pass for, to a sinful life and still get into heaven. It's, it couldn't be anything farther from that. All right? It's not a spiritual anesthetic. All right? That eliminates us from the pain or consequence of sin. We must understand this. It's not just something God gives us to make us feel better, all right? Or even get away with the consequences of sin. It's the antidote, all right, that changes us. You know, when you take an antidote, it changes your body chemistry so that whatever poison is in you, it doesn't kill you, right? And so here, this is a a spiritual antidote that actually comes into our body that changes us, that enables us to respond. It's the power of God exerting His holy influence to bring about godliness in us. All right? To make us godly. Judgment can bring about punishment. All right? But grace is meant to bring about the elimination of sin in our lives and free us from all judgment. 
Okay, judgment can bring punishment, but grace comes and transforms us so that there's nothing to be judged for because we're righteous. We've re- God's righteousness has been reproduced in us. It empowers us, energizes us to live differently. Okay, and so that understanding of grace, you have to let it settle into your, into your spirit into your mind, into your heart, actually into your body, okay? And understand that, that grace is, a, is the influence of God, an active influence of God that brings about transformation. It's not just a free pass, okay? Does that make sense? And so when we cry out for grace, when we receive the grace, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ appears, it's talking about an influence in a person's life that brings about transformation. It's a free gift, but it has to be received. And it's sad because there's two particular individuals that I've had the opportunity to explain in depth and get them to the place where, you know, like... It was explained. You know, so here's the gift. Do you want it? And they weren't ready. <laughs> you know, wow. That's amazing. You know, some part of them wasn't convinced. Or some part of them wanted to hang on to godless living or sinful pleasure. I don't know what it was. I don't know. But it has appeared, the scripture says, it has appeared to all men. All right? It is universally displayed in the life of Jesus Christ. What does it mean when the Scripture here says that the grace of God has appeared to all men? It means that it was openly displayed in the person and life of Jesus Christ. It was apparent to all. It was out in the open for all to see. It's not some hidden thing. Okay, It's not some secret uh, knowledge uh, or, or some secret <clears throat> formula or some secret activity that you have to do in order to qualify. Okay? <laughs> There's a lot of misunderstanding and misrepresentation in our day and has been ever since, uh, you, know, the, you know, for thousands of years that, you know, if you, if you do this, if, you're, if, you, if, you, if you get into this particular group, uh, that's, that's what cults are, all right? Uh, and, and whether it be Scientology or, or Gnosticism, which was the ancient name, uh, you know, if you know these secret practices, if you become, you know, if you go through the secret rituals, Masonic uh, uh, religion, uh, there's secret rituals that you partake of, and it gets you into access. That's not the way it is with the grace of God. The grace of God has been openly revealed in the person of Jesus Christ and through the life of Jesus Christ. It's out there for all to see. <clears throat> now, it doesn't mean that phrase, when, God, when it says that in Scripture, uh, doesn't mean that everyone has received it or even heard it. Okay? But it has been publicly proclaimed. Everything anyone needs to gain access to eternal life with God is, is being publicly proclaimed for over 2,000 years. All right, it's available to all, and boy, in our day, it is all the more, isn't it? I mean, everything about the gospel, every translation you can imagine is online. Just pull it up on your cell phone, anywhere in the world. <clears throat> people can 
uh, people can access it. And, and that's our job. That's the job of the church. That's the purpose of the church is to proclaim the message of the good news. All right? That it's openly available through Jesus Christ. Now, there's three things. This is what I want to get to <clears throat> in the next ten minutes that this scripture teaches us about grace. Uh, okay? Three things that we get from grace once we receive it. And the first thing is <clears throat> that we it enables us. Let me get back to page one. Okay? <clears throat> it says, and we are instructed or we've been shown... Right? <clears throat> teaching us. So grace teaches us. This influence teaches, instructs, shows us, one, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. Or how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life. Self-indulgent life. Or to turn from godless living and sinful pleasure. To deny or to turn. Alright? <clears throat> now this word, that what grace uh, shows or it enables us to do uh, this idea of turning or denying. Have you ever denied someone? What what does that imply? What does it imply about the person offering you something? They're persistent. You ever had somebody knock on your door and try to sell you windows? <laughs> it stopped. We have new windows. <laughs> or a telemarketer, you know, and you go, no. And they'll, then they'll go, well, let me, and they keep talking. And you go, no. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I go, listen, I don't want to be rude, but I'm going to hang up on you. <laughs> you know, so this is the last time. They're insistent. All right. Denying ungodliness, it's, it's an active uh, 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 rejecting of. Okay, this is not uh, passive. This is active. That it, it it turns away. It's active resistance. It is like someone trying to get into your house. All right, you you hear something at night and you get out and you walk out. It's actually happened to me once. I was walking. I was upstairs in our old house and I looked out the back window and you can see the light from the dining room window shines out into the backyard and I saw the silhouette of a person. And I knew someone was outside looking in the window. Well, I ran down the steps, <coughs> you know, and I was like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> you know, without thinking. <laughs> you know, by the time I got outside, he'd run away. Okay. I actively, that's the, that's the dynamic that grace enables us to do in our own lives regarding sin. Because sin is actively trying to get into your life. All right. And you need to actively resist it. It's not a passive thing. Grace enables us to resist us. God's advice <clears throat> to Cain. Remember Cain? What's Cain famous for? Hmm? He killed his brother. <clears throat> All right. Um, God spoke to Cain before he did that. In fact, he says, if you do well... Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, God was so cruel to Cain. He rejected the sacrifice. God said, hey, Cain, let me talk to you. If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you respond correctly, you'll be accepted. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Here's God himself giving personal counsel to Cain. 
right before he went out and killed his brother. Where was God when Cain killed Abel? Right there, trying to convince Cain not to do it. Where is God when you commit sin? Right there, trying to lead you away from it. Trying to communicate grace. Every time. Right there. But, he, but Cain wasn't a robot. You're not a robot. That's why evil exists in the world. <clears throat> turning away from sin implies a turning toward godliness. It requires a leaving behind of something that we've grown accustomed to. All right? But is dangerous to us. Second thing is active living. First thing is denying ungodliness. Second thing is actually living. Say, I want to live. Come on. I know it's early in the morning. New Living Translation says, denying ungodliness, but we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Or the message, how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. All right? So it's not just a denying of something. It's taking something else on. And that thing that we're to take on or to uh, uh, um, uh, grab hold of is real life. Okay? That we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. It means the definition literally means to live, to breathe, to be among the living and not the dead. Okay? <laughs> to actually be alive. That we should be alive. Grace teaches us to be alive. It's not just like we should be alive and not dead. It means active, blessed, endless in the kingdom of life. All right? <clears throat> the vital power in itself and exerting the same upon it, our souls. Okay? So a vitality. That that's what grace leads us to. And that's the opposite of what sin leads us to. Sin leads to death. Okay? Grace leads to life. Uh, vitality. Uh, um, it's active. It's powerful. It's effective. Grace is not passive, saints. Okay? Grace is not a passive force. It's an active force to bring about an active life. All right? To bring about a life of uh, where you actually make a difference. You have power. You have not only moral character, but you act. You live. You live out God's grace. Um, morally, we take on, it does include a moral aspect. We take on God's nature. Okay? We, we, uh, we live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Soberly. You know what soberly means? Not drunk. <laughs> not intoxicated. Not under the influence of ungodly stuff. All right? And you can be drunk on the influence of another person. Or you can be drunk with wine. Or you can be drunk with marijuana. Or any number of other substances. You can be drunk on money. Alright? So whatever it is, it doesn't matter. We're not under those influences, but we're living soberly, temperate, discreet, with self-control. Righteously. <clears throat> Righteousness means living as we were created to be. Living as we ought to be. It's not some unattainable uh, state of perfection. 
It's just living in your true identity as a son and a daughter of the Almighty God. When you come into relationship with Jesus Christ and you receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that grace teaches us how to live as sons and daughters of God the Father. All right? It empowers us. But it also means not only living morally, it actually means doing good deeds. Changing our behavior. Not just that we're nice people. The world's full of nice people. <clears throat> the New Living Translation says, totally committed to doing good deeds. Or the message, energetic in goodness. Energetic in goodness. Zealous for good works. Many Christians get stuck in just dealing with sin. And their whole Christianity... Their whole experience with God uh, never goes beyond dealing with personal struggles with temptation. Listen, if that's where you're at, I want to tell you there's a whole nother level that you can go to. All right. In fact, that's kindergarten. Let's go on to first grade. Right? I'm serious. It, we never get totally free from uh, uh, maintaining a, a righteous lifestyle, just like, you know, we shouldn't forget the things we learn in kindergarten. Right? Right? But we should get to the place where that is, you know, we got a handle on that. Now what do we do? What do we do with all this stuff? Good works. God's called us to a life of effective living that actually brings about the change of our community and our society. I mean, Jesus' plan... Sorry. It's to take over the world. <laughs> That's what I'm all about. I, you know, really, I just want to take over the world. I'm just trying to take over Kalamazoo. Me and a few of my friends. I mean, we're doing it. We're doing it. Jesus, I don't know. That's the end of the story. We win. <laughs> Read the end of the book. At the end, we win. Sometimes it doesn't look like it. We win. <clears throat> so God wants us to be grace in parts of an ability not only to be morally right before God, but to be zealous for good works. Okay, Grace frees us uh, uh, from ungodliness unto godliness. It energizes us to do good stuff. Now listen, this is all about becoming more like God. Because guess what? God is not just morally and ethically pure. That's good. He does good stuff. He sends his rain and, and the sun, the shine and the good and evil. Every person on planet Earth is alive because he created them. And he created a whole system, the universe we call it, to sustain human life so that we can grab an apple. Wow, it's amazing. It's absolutely, you throw the apple, and, you know, if it gets buried right, an apple tree grows and produces more apples. Like, that's stinking amazing. God does good stuff to everyone. God is constantly about doing good stuff. He wants to bless. He wants to lead. He wants to encourage. He wants to equip every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. All right? Now, there's lots of obstacles and walls that people put up to prevent him from getting in but that doesn't stop him 
He does everything to the point of coming and embracing humanity and taking on a body and dying on a cross to communicate, to publicly proclaim and and to reveal how much He loves. And so when we do good works, whether it be giving food to to someone who's poor or or helping someone learn how to live uh, in a more responsible way or uh, financially supporting those who are doing those type of things, whatever effort we make to influence others uh, and, and, and influence our society to make it better, to make it more representative of God's nature, well, that's good works. What good works for you is going to be different than me. You know, there's not a checklist. I don't have a check. Do you have a check? Did we? We'll, we'll make one. There is, you know, it's between you and God. God's going to call you to do something different than He calls me. All right? But it's probably going to be just as hard for you to do what he's called you to do as it is for me to do what he's called me to do. All right? But you have to do it. You have to actually do it. You can't just sit back and pontificate. <laughs> is that a good word? Huh? That's a 25 cent. You can't just talk about doing good. You have to actually do it. All right? So look back last week. What did, what what did you do? That made someone else taste, or see, or feel, or hear the goodness that God has shared with you. You know, answer that to God. <clears throat> so, final thing is an actively seeking, looking for. Three things. First thing is denying ungodliness. Second thing is living uh, godly, active living. Third thing is actively seeking. So actively resisting, actively living, and actively seeking. New King James says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Or the, or the, new, or the message says, wetting our appetites. Okay, making us hungry. New living, looking forward. Okay, it means to look, <clears throat> uh, to await with confidence. And patience, expectation, it can be translated anxiously await. It's like when, you're, when you order something online. You know, is it here yet? We're anxiously awaiting what? We're anxiously awaiting the appearing of Jesus Christ. It means two things. It means in the end when Jesus actually comes. Because there's going to be a day when this whole system stops. And he says enough's enough. And everybody's crying out, how can God let suffering happen in the world? There's going to be a day where God says, okay, I'm going to end suffering. And it ends now. And it ends here. And a whole lot of people are going to be surprised that they were the cause of suffering. They weren't the victim. Okay? But it also means now. The message says, this life is starting right now. So when Jesus, we anxiously await the revealing of Jesus now. In our lives, okay? It's the now and not yet principle. Okay, that Jesus is risen now. And so His resurrection power is available now to be revealed now in our lives. And we, we anxious, so every morning we anxiously await how is Jesus going to be revealed in my life today? You know, and maybe He'll actually come. You know? 
That's, how, that's what grace enables us to live with that ancient, ancient, anxious, that, that expectation with confidence that Jesus is going to show up. Okay, with the ability to live godly, actively pursuing moral uh, 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 lifestyle, but also a lifestyle that's zealous for good and actively resisting every temptation, every influence of evil. That's what grace accomplishes in our life. Amen. All right, Adam, come on up and share some announcements. Thank you. Thank you, Cameron. Good word. All right, well, we want to welcome all of our guests.